So you're listening to episode seven of the Tall and the Short of It podcast. We're re- recording about eight o'clock on Monday, October 5th. I'm Justin with my co-host, Aaron. How are you doing this evening, my friend? I am doing pretty well. Um, it's been uh, an interesting week, but how are you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. We um, just had the... Uh, what would you call him? Like the maintenance guy. His name is Rob. He came in and took some pictures of the apartment and kind of explained to us the exit process. So closer and closer, man, we're nearing it. But that was like kind of the most exciting thing that's gone on. That is, uh, that's pretty exciting, especially after uh, talking a bit more about you guys being able to move over to uh, the new apartment with your current landlord for the, the space and everything that you guys have your, your, um, uh blanking your job office with yeah 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 Yeah, and Um, it'll just be so much nicer because like oh man it's just gonna cost so much less and we'll be able to save more like and that's even just like on rent money and utilities then you factor in like we're not even going to be driving that much because we're so close like i think it's just going to be i think it's just going to be um a change, uh, change for the best. The only thing I'm kind of worried about is living like right above somebody. I'm just trying to not be loud, you know. I mean, I, that's something though that comes with any apartment living. Um, that's one of my big kind of pet peeves with uh, people in my different apartment complexes I've worked in for my company. It's like people who are constantly complaining about like little things like, Oh, I hear the person above me vacuuming or walking or things like that. It's like, I mean, you live in an apartment, they're close together. There's going to be some noise transference and like, it's not ideal, but it's just one of those things where it is part of renting. It's not always going to have everything perfect. Um, but Overall, it's a it's a pretty good option. So, well, I think honestly, I think that's a good point to make. I think what I'm more worried about is the fact that like they're longstanding, um, they're longstanding tenants with him, and I just know that me and Sarah being a bit younger, we may be up a little bit long, like past the, where where they're still awake. So I guess I'm just trying to avoid like I don't want to step on their toes. I just kind of want to like assimilate nicely into the little like community that they have there. Um because yeah. we're like one house on a property or we'll be in one house that is that on a property that has two. Um gotcha. so yeah we just don't want to be like disruptive. We just want to be able to meld really nice. Um, and just like the two things that I can think of is I just hope like the weed smell doesn't bother them. And I just hope that like noise isn't a problem. But other than that, I imagine we'll do fine. Yeah. I mean, as long as you, uh, aren't doing kickflips in the living room on your skateboard and dribbling basketballs, uh, generally, (laughs) um, I think generally you're going to be, be in the clear overall the, yeah, the smell, uh, that might be the only thing, but I mean, you're, you're pretty, you're a very respectful person in general. And the fact that you're already thinking about that without moving in there, I would say that means you're probably going to be in the clear. So, well, yeah, I hope so. I just, um, I know I have all my, uh, I have all my skateboard decks, you know, some of them have <laughs> trucks so I can practice my kick, kick flips in the living room, you know, yeah, my why, fucking why heel flips to... and whatnot. 
When I moved into an apartment, I switched to exclusively tech decks. There so. you go. Okay. So you're just getting that finger workout. <laughs> exactly. Just like still practicing nice. my moves to keep it fresh in my mind. But, uh, but yeah, just mini finger skateboards. So <laughs> dude, I used to, I used to go to the skate park and people would be like, dude, where's your skate park? And I would just pull out a bunch of tech decks from my pocket and be like, nah, son, I'm going to hit the ramp with these. <laughs> Clown. That's- it's like, uh, I actually, I was going to say people like rolling up with Razor scooters, but I honestly have seen some people do some pretty sick tricks with uh, Razor scooters. Before, oh, yeah. So I can't, Freaking... can't talk trash. <laughs> you can spin them around and yeah. smash them straight into your ankle, dude. Oh, absolutely. God um, damn. Now that just uh, makes me think. So like for my, my week this week, I, um, so I had my review finally with my, uh, my the executive assistant for my boss so how often do you guys do that so it was uh my one year so it got pushed back a little bit because of covid but it was uh it was cool i got a raise uh overall my review was good they said there were like pretty much all the property managers i've worked with at our different locations uh really are happy when i'm there covering or when i'm helping out like they've all had uh pretty good experience with me so that was nice to hear um a couple of things that i i was aware of that i can work on to keep improving but uh overall it was good and so with that what do you have to improve on dude talk about uh, it mostly just my um time management and it was a lot related to like the fact that um I was coming into a new industry that I haven't had experience with doing a job that I'm very like, or that I had no experience with in terms of like kind of project managing and research and stuff like that for my boss. Um, and so with that, I didn't have a lot of uh, good time frames in mind necessarily. Like I wasn't taking forever on everything, but um I need to kind of set smaller goals for myself to to keep me on track to finishing like projects in a, a pretty good amount of time um, and not just kind of getting stuck and them getting dragged out longer than need be. Gotcha. Um, okay. That's the main now, thing. It's like something that now that I'm into my position, I feel more comfortable. With does the, like does the company or like the, like the computer system that you work on, like, are there tools that you could use to help like, like positively reinforce those circuits to try and kind of like build up your like uh, i kind of try and break break uh projects down into smaller pieces right. and and organize them that way so that i can like be like okay i have this part of it done and the end of the second week i want to have it done and at the end of the third week i want to have all of it together to present to my um that kind gotcha. of thing i think that would be good um and also, I mean, just asking for help. Or right. And then you're yeah. presenting so a problem, that. not brainstorming possible yeah, solutions so like, um, from like the outset. So yeah. A lot of people in my company. <laughs> Welcome back, Craig. All right. As you were, Aaron. <laughs> uh, kind of lost where I was at. Um, yeah, we were talking about... Um, you were talking about your team and getting better uh, at just like asking for help in general. Yeah. So um, something that, I mean, worst case scenario is they'll direct me to someone else or tell me they're not quite sure how to, to assist. And then in that case, I have to kind of figure it out. But um, 
but yeah, getting better at utilizing my my team around me and kind of uh, figuring that out is something that I uh, am looking to uh, to work on and improve on. Um, but I guess one good or a couple good things that came with uh, with my review and everything is well with the rays I was able to go out. I bought some camping equipment, which I'm pumped about. Um, nice. Looking forward to going backpacking uh, and getting out in nature more. I've always really liked like running in nature, so and doing trail running. So um, I think backpacking would be pretty pretty up my alley, um, which I think I'll enjoy a lot. And then I also, unfortunately, speaking of the outdoors, did hit a deer this weekend uh, while I was driving home. And so having the extra cash to uh to pay to get my car fixed is is definitely gonna be gonna be nice, unfortunately. But dude, seriously, it costs so much money. So much money all the time. Well, it's one of those things that you don't think about because in general I, I think of myself being a good driver. Um and a pretty safe one. So I didn't have like a super low deductible on my car insurance because I was like, oh, I I don't plan on needing this. I drive safely. And if I get in an accident, then it would be the other person's fault. Um, and I would say it is the other person's fault, but a deer doesn't have car insurance. So unfortunately, it has to come out of mine. So Dude, honestly, <laughs> I think I think if insurance can be required legally of the drivers i feel like it should be required of the deer I, just I as much say, well i going through the claim process i was asked and my the claim person um was really awesome but she told she goes i'm gonna ask you the weirdest question that your insurance company will ever ask you and i'm sitting there thinking it's 11 15 at night i hit it hit the deer at 10 45 it lived by the way just for anyone out there who is uh oh no um so i did not get my first buck of hunting season um <laughs> but uh that's not even legal <laughs> you can't kill them that way i mean well, I, guess, well, I guess you could you know like an accident no um <laughs> but she goes was the deer a pet? And oh like, shit! Like it, I, I told her on the phone, and I, I was hoping to get a laugh, but she didn't really laugh um, because my jokes are usually pretty cheesy. But I, I said, dad um, jokes. I said it wasn't wearing a collar, so I don't think so. <laughs> um, Damn. Which I know is very cheesy, but I was I was hoping for to get a laugh. But she said uh, they actually get about she herself deals with probably a claim for someone hitting a deer every two days or so. And in the northern Midwest states, there are actually deer farms where the deer could be a quote unquote pet of someone. Um, if the accident happens and you hit a deer from a deer farm. So interesting. Would, and that yeah. would be, and that would involve like different like rules and regulations and something. Yeah, I guess it would. Um, 
have some sort of liability on the owner of the deer. Um, because if it's a pet, it should be in a enclosure of some sort or yada, yada, yada. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how that works. I didn't fortunately have to get into the, the, the weeds with it, but, um, right. but yeah, it was <laughs> goddamn Aaron. You hit my deer. I was trying this is to, my pet deer. I was trying my best to keep a, a light upbeat attitude about it. Um, but she was, I mean, it was 1145 at night. And so she was probably, or 1115 at night or something like that. So she was probably pretty tired and not really uh, looking to just joke around about my, my misfortune. Well, so, I don't know if it was 1115, depending on where she was at, she was probably just starting oh, her I, third shift. Well, I checked her, her, she, her third she mentioned that she's, um, that she was Eastern time zone. So I don't know when she started her shift, but damn, uh, still overall pretty late at night. That's a tough <laughs> life, man. That's a tough life. It is. It was, uh, unfortunate. Oh, and the other, the other thing, which I meant to mention when we were talking about skateboards and uh, I wasn't talking about her, dude. It's tough life for the deer. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> Probably. I mean, left some fur in my hood, which, uh, Yo, can't that's imagine, crazy. Can't imagine was very, uh, pleasant. Um, getting hit by a car. Can't imagine felt very good. Dude, I don't know, man. It happens so often that I feel like it's a sport for the deer. It, it like, judged on distance. Well, just <laughs> bounced off my car, like, rolled over, and then just immediately got up and booked it. It was, um, I think yeah, it was, it's no stranger to it. Well, you were the think, third car that night, dude. I think it was, uh, going after its girlfriend because there was a doe that, had oh, it, God. And there was a doe in the road and, she like ran off so that slowed me down and then i didn't even see him he just like as i was coming up where the doe had been just booked it across the street from addison trees jeez i mean i i guess he was going for the whole like chicks dig scars thing um but i still don't think that's the best way to go about that so Yeah, new do I. I agree. I think um, if you just show a little bit, a little bit of chivalry, you know, buy some flowers. I feel like you're all right. Exactly. You don't have to go get hit by a car unless it was her turn, and there's like some some weird like hazing ritual where like, ah, you gotta go get hit by a deer if you want to be part of our crew, you know, and. And maybe so. This was like gang initiation for the right, game. right. And and my man that you hit was trying to protect, you know, lady, uh, lady, lady antlers over there, and he was like, "I'll get, I'll take it," and he, you know, he took the bullet for the for for lady antlers. Yeah, I mean, you you honestly never know. I didn't I didn't get a chance to ask him. He he kind of took off. So, um. But I was going to say, when we were talking about skateboards and everything, I also did get a new snowboard for uh, this upcoming season. With Bro, I literally uh, thought you were going to say, I got some new tech decks. So I was going to be like, <laughs> nice. No, I, uh, I got a new snowboard because last year I had my uh, one that I had bought from a uh, ski and snowboard resort near us that was one of their old... Um, it was one of their old rental boards. And so mm. I, got, I got in on snowboarding on an old rental board that was a little beat up and, and whatnot. So now I've got my, my new board, nice and slick. 
See, that's uh, sweet. But at least like you took a season, you didn't just like dive in on like a, you know, eight, eight hundred dollar thing. And then like, um, this actually isn't that fun. And even yeah. like after breaking your collarbone, you're like, I'm getting back out there. Well, that was ice skating. So when oh, I, mean, I, shit, I, that's right. I did get a scar on the bridge of my nose from snowboarding this past I'm, year. So, ju- you know, uh, you know, tomato, tomato, you know, kind of same thing. Yeah. So now I'll, uh, hopefully with the new board, have a little more control, fall a little bit less, injure myself a little bit less. Be a um, sick boarder. Yeah. They call um, you carrot top. They, yeah. I'm basically Sean White already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i can't even imagine um what he would think of my snowboarding skills he would be, honestly he'd probably he'd probably be down for it he's like yeah man look at you go you get yeah, it he'd probably yeah he'd be like you get out there champ keep at it like i feel like he would have champ. a good attitude about fucking hit that 360 tiger my lack of uh my lack of skill so um but yeah so that's how that's how my week uh my week went it was it was that's that's kind of sick dude (laughs) it sounds karmically balanced to be honest it was very very balanced i would say i like Um, it so well all right so here's here's me segueing into into a plug for for we're just shilling um how did that how did that affect your mental health aaron um overall it, it was a mix it was um i don't think it really negatively impacted me overall other than the little bit of anxiety and stress of trying to figure out um the whole what i needed to do to because this is the first time on my own insurance that i've been in a car accident gotcha um, and especially the only one that's i guess technically my fault um so uh, the only other accident i had been in was not due to my own driving um so that was a little stressful trying to figure out and uh coordinating all the uh repairs and yada 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 um along with my work schedule but but yeah i mean um that segue into uh something that we both kind of wanted to to talk about since we've talked about mental health uh, a number of times throughout the the podcast already. Um, but this is mental health awareness week. Um, so from October the 4th through October the 10th, it's mental health awareness week. Um, I know a lot of people may not necessarily deal with mental health issues, but I'm sure everyone's been affected by it in kind of different ways, whether family, friends, or um, just people that they know um, who have gone through some different mental health issues, whether it's something like anxiety or depression or um, so even some of the uh, more extreme, I guess, cases of um, of mental health. So we definitely wanted to, to just bring that up. Um, and then, Justin, you found NAMI, so I'll let you... Uh, take it from there yeah so the company that we found that seems to be doing the most for mental health awareness week if not the kind of like at the forefront of it the national alliance for mental illness um they have a hotline you can call 800-950-NAMI again that's 800-N-950-NAMI um 
in neurals is six two six six two six four. Thank you. Yes, I didn't do the uh, I didn't do the calculations there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know that's just a that's just a resource that you can use. Um, you know, if you're feeling trapped, if you're feeling stuck, um, give them a call. They may be able to point you in the right direction to start the road to recovery, start, start getting yourself some help, just like Aaron was saying. Um, and I, and, and I know I do the same thing too, is sometimes, sometimes I, I'm not too quick to ask for help. Um, so that's just a good resource where you can go, you know, to get some good help. Uh, yeah. so yeah, and, shout out the, uh, NAMI organization. And I would say also, um, especially for just a lot of like people's work situations and companies. Um, your HR people probably have good um, resources that you can have. Uh, like my my company, I know has um, a hotline that you can reach out to about um, to get like therapy sessions or counseling sessions um, that are included with my insurance and and just through my company in general. So there are definitely good resources out there um, that are inexpensive to at least get started on that road if you're if you're really going through it. Um, so I would say definitely uh, don't hesitate to take advantage of those things if they are available to you. It's definitely worthwhile. So nice. I think that was um, nice. I think that's a nice little. Um... Well, obviously, we took took time out to be a little serious. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, we can kind of move into some of the other, other topics that we wanted to hit here for the evening. Um, we did just want to touch on that just, just in a sense, like Aaron said, it has been and probably will be, you know, a topic of conversation here. So we just want to make sure our listeners knew that, uh, you know, the resources are out there. Yeah, but absolutely. The most exciting thing. Of all the year, not Christmas, not Thanksgiving, it's not Halloween. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's not July 4th. It's the world's tournament, everybody. The League of Now, what teams are you liking? We, you know, obviously we hit on the play in stages a little bit last week. Um, we're into. groups from all four groups uh we can talk about na specifically if you if you want later uh what teams are you liking from some of the other regions what looks dominant just talk to me about your overall all overall impressions of group stages so far so i mean for myself i personally am uh looking at damon gaming and top esports they have the favorites coming into the tournament uh top esports being from the lpl in china and damwon gaming being from the lck in south korea um damwon is now 3-0 in their group stage uh standings top esports is 2-0 in theirs um and both teams have just looked really really good um the other one uh that i'm I've been really impressed with is is G2 Esports uh, from the um, LEC in Europe, actually. Uh, they have made some very deep runs in Worlds previously. Um, be way to the Worlds Finals this past year. Um, 
they're two and zero in their uh, group as well, and they've just looked really good, really clean. Um, overall, just impressed with uh, a Western team doing well and kind of competing um, in the tournament. It makes me excited to see them against some of these powerhouses uh, from like the Eastern regions, LPL and LCK. Um, and kind of see how they agree. Uh, they're each leading their their different group, but um, I think they're each uh, just very, they have some just extremely skilled players and are fun to watch. So the the thing that I would like to comment there on for G2 esports is the I feel like the easy conversation around that team is like, oh, caps and perks, like, oh, the carry rolls, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think the thing that I would like to touch on with G2, and I haven't I haven't seen this in a team, I think, in a long time. But the way they move, like, on the map specifically, like, with their champions in relation to each other, mm. like, if you watch G2 around, like, specifically when they're setting up, like, for a Baron or a Dragon, when they're, and, and, not, and, and not when Mickey X and Pinoy are, like, vying for vision uh, and uh, uh, who am I thinking X of? And, Mickey X and... Uh, uh yankos yankos i'm sorry yeah i was yep. looking at the yeah my bad um yeah how and and not even how those two individually are going to set up like vision control but when the vision co vision control is set up and they're just like posturing back and forth with you know the poke and skill shots throwing them out the way that team moves it's like it's like a little amoeba and none of them are none of them are like individual units. They're all like moving and acting as like one thing with just a bunch of different weapons attached to it. And I would be I would be terrified of how that team seems to move. And and that's not even from like a mechanical perspective. It I think it really just speaks to like a team cohesion communication type thing. Like they are, they feel so in sync watching them play. Yeah. And I think a big thing for me with that is that they're really, um, they are utilizing the skills of their team very well. Um, in terms of like the picks that they've been using, I think, a lot of teams, I, as we had said in uh, the previous episode, kind of ha sometimes in past have looked for a global meta and trying to copy the, the top teams and see how they do. Um, in G2's case, they have a very mechanically skilled smart jungler with Yankos, and they've really, uh, in the first two games that they've had at least, put him on carry junglers um, in a position to to kind of push their advantages and they've also put caps on mid laners with global ultimates that are able to to really move around the map dude um, the twisted fate uh the twisted fate was disgusting it is and and between that and i mean just having perks and mickey x be able to just kind of sustain in the bot lane and scale um without being in danger much without risking 
anything too uh, crazy. I think they have really uh, their draft has been really, really good through yep. the first couple games so far. Yeah, I definitely agree. Very impressed. Um, well, who's their who's their coach? Uh, their coach is G two Grabs, um, and so okay. he, he has done quite a bit um, for them. In turn, there's always been um, a number of jokes about their draft and things like that, and I think he has taken those uh, to heart because a lot of times in in the past, I feel like they have been able to win based on their uh, just like raw skill in each position. Um, but he has definitely improved in that sense, at least currently for worlds. He's, he's found ways to, to get them on strong picks that really fit their, their team style and helping them to move around the map. Well, um, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, it's, um, as far as as far as like Western teams that have really really impressed me, um, yeah, I would have to second the uh, really have to second the the G two there because yeah, they look they look insane. Um, but as far as um, everybody's favorites from the LCK and the LPL, I really like Gen G. So like, say what you want about you know how they did in in their season. I think the it's got to be the patch or whatever, like they're, they're pick and ban, but Genji is looking really good in their games. Oh, they definitely are. Um, yeah. I think especially their, their bot lane um, has been really impressive and with ruler and life, um, they've looked really good. Life has uh, been able to kind of, uh, be that that shield for their team uh, in the games that I was watching. He he died a few different times, but they were always to to keep the carry members of his team alive. And whether that be Ruler or BDD, their mid laner, um, I they looked good too. Um, yeah, I so. agree. Now, how do you feel about because because this is something that like rarely ever happened. So, you know, there were obviously like the AD assassin metas and mid laners playing that, but what's with like, what's with these mid laners just like playing these melee carries or just like pulling, pulling Lucian into the mid lane or whatever. Like it, it seriously shows like the just mechanical ceiling that mid lane has or dude, they can, they're literally playing any champion they want. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, I think after last year um, with the world champions having a mid laner that was much more of a, and I'm, I'm going to be annoyed with myself for blanking on his name. Um, but the mid laner for the last year's LPL world champion team, uh, which I believe was IG, uh, or no, um, it was uh, fun, fun plus fun plus Phoenix, um, was much more of a supportive role. And so this year it's been interesting kind of watching how the meta has shifted a little bit, um, to be more doing aggressive, B. I guess. Yes. Doing B. Um, much more aggressive in the mid lane or, I mean, there's always those, um, kind of fallback, uh, mage 
those control mage champions, the Orianas, the Syndras that have come out so many times already in this world. Yeah, yeah. But it's fun seeing the Lucian mid. I like seeing the set mid. Um, I think it's a cool twist uh, that you can really flex. I mean, set can be played currently as a top laner, a jungler, a mid laner, and a support. Um, and so the ability to potentially flex that around uh, has made drafts very interesting. And it it really changes up what teams can pull out by having that singular flex pick um, that they can play among their all, so many different positions on their team. So, right, because you lock that in second, and teams really can't call if that's like, oh, if that's their top lane or their, you know, their jungler or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I no, I think you're definitely right with the versatility. It just adds an an extra complicated layer on top of the on top of the pick and ban phase. Yeah, and I think that's um, what makes that pick uh, specifically because. There aren't as many melee mid lane champions, but that's one that specifically sticks out as like a very interesting one to me, um, based on how it can be played. So, well, but that also then says if like if set's going to be picked in the mid lane, there's a world where a team then uses their mid lane counter pick for an Orn and puts their mid laner on Orn, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. or puts their mid laner on on like a volley bear. Like it's like, and and that's kind of what I'm getting at is like one like teams prioritizing this pick. It opens the door for like other things to happen, and then therein you develop, you know, the world's meta in and of itself. Where like you wouldn't have predicted it before the tournament based on like patch notes, right? Oh, it's kind absolutely. of interesting. No, it's um, I mean, it it's been played in. Uh, in those roles before, but I wouldn't right. expect it to be this prevalent necessarily in Worlds. So it's um, it's been pretty cool to see. Uh, and some other picks that I've been really... Uh, I mean, we you mentioned the Volibear and the Orn. Um, I think that's been interesting to see kind of how different teams utilize their top laners specifically. Because, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, I mean, Volibear and Orn are both obviously like big tanks. And so there are definitely teams that are picking those as almost safety picks, but it's so fun watching kind of the, uh, the other side of the coin with some of these teams that have very talented top laners picking the Camille um, that can play extremely aggressively picking uh, the Jace. Yeah. Um, some of these, yeah. these really damage heavy champions that are not super tanky. I think that has been, um interesting and i the other it, i mean watching those get picked up you can see that the teams are trying some of the teams are trying to play very aggressively um and that's also with uh two of the jungle picks that have stuck out to me being picked so much are the evelyn and the nidalee um yeah also well it looks like nidalee is just chunking out damage it's it's crazy and yeah. the, the mechanics that uh, a lot of these junglers coming to the world championships have to be able to utilize her mobility jumping around things like that um it's been really fun to watch and the the damage that comes out is uh it seems to catch people off guard um pretty frequently 
with early dives and being able to just chunk someone for a huge amount of damage that quickly. So, and the, um, I think, I think one of the more interesting speaking of like, kind of, kind of commenting on the junglers, I was watching, I was watching the Dom Juan versus, I believe it was the PSG Talon where Canyon was on graves and like, he he's another really prevalent pick just like huge bursts like great mobility like those are the chance those are the exact champions which i think is really cool about this tournament like the junglers are picking the exact kind of champions that you want to see at the highest level of competition the aggressive mechanically intense like uh, what would you say like story champions right like like nidalee has there have probably been you know, a thousand and one Nidalee Spears hit just at Worlds itself. Um, and they they create such dynamic games because of well, it, like it's, mobility and it's uh, playmaking that, potential. Yeah, it's the pressure from that playmaking potential. Like being able to move around the, the map so fluidly is something that's so important in the World Championships when you have um for the most part really the the best players in each position from each region coming there and playing um raw mechanical skill itself is typically not going to be able to carry you all the way to the world championship right right so, well yeah and that's why i was kind of talking about the g2 teamwork man because they look yeah. they look like something else man it, it, it's, yeah yeah and seeing that um having a champion like Nidalee that can be um, just so aggressive and move around the, the map so quickly and do so much damage. I mean, yeah, you are at risk of, of uh, getting killed because you are pretty squishy and don't have a lot of help. But at the same time, if you use it to its full potential, it's just a brutal, brutal pick to face. So, um, so yeah, those are like, and the Evelyn was the other one. That's another pick that I. Oh, dude, it's brutal. It's, I mean, the amount of damage that can come out so quickly from her, especially. Um, I, I like how a lot of teams have paired it with some tank top laners that have some some lockdown. Um, just watching an Evelyn get behind someone, use the charm on them, and then their top laner lock down the opposing top laner until she can get the charm off and just mm -hmm. yeah for the full duration them. stun it's it is brutal man it's it, so good well did you see i forget who was playing it but they paired evelyn with rakan and so here comes yes. rakan just dashing onto an invisible evelyn that you didn't know was there and you're just getting knocked up loved and then then you're dead and she was invisible the whole time it's just like bro like it's it's so brutal yeah well and the other one that i'm um i'm blanking right now on which i think it might have been rogue um used uh, Rakan and uh, the Rakan's like another fun pick, but Rakan and Malphite yep. together, and that was like a brutal combo in itself. Just watching them come in, hit a Malphite ult, immediately knock up the 
people as soon as they are like the CC is gone, knock them up with Rakan. As soon as they come down from that, charming them up with the Rakan ult. I was watching that and it was disgusting. I, I yeah. felt legitimately bad for that was the yeah, the game that I'm thinking of is the uh rogue versus uh Paris Saint Germain, the PSG Talon uh team. And <laughs> they had so Rogue played Malphite top, Evelyn uh jungle, Lucian mid, Callista bot, and then Rakan. And so they're getting hit with a uh they're getting hit with a Callista ulted um Rakan. So they're knocking people. So he's there. yeah, just right next then to him then. As soon as they're all knocked up, you're getting the Malphite ult, knocking them up again. Then Rakan is using his W, knocking them up again, then charming them. And <laughs> like it was it was hard to watch just seeing PSG have all of their their character, their champions be crowd controlled for just ne- seconds negated yeah while lucian and callista just shred them to pieces it was a master class um kind of watching that on all. on the wombo combo yeah and i mean that's something that some of these teams um have gotten good with and and finding those good team comps through the draft I would have, if I was on PSG Talon and saw that draft come out, I would be like just unhappy before the game even started. Oh, I know, seriously. And especially in, especially at a tournament where people are picking Malphite and you saw like, it was like, it was like triple AD lock in. I forget what team did it, but it was like triple AD lock in for their first three picks. And then, like, and then he just locked in Malphite into the Renekton. But yep. at that same tournament, like, they're still playing Oriana and they're still playing Syndra. So the, and specifically for Syndra, like, the ball delivery systems are there. Like, we're going to see some nasty shockwaves. I know it. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I'm kind of sad not having SKT there because I love watching Fager on Oriana. I mean, he just he knows how to play the champion so well, but these other, these other mid laners also are extremely talented and I can guarantee we're going to get some really awesome plays coming out from, uh, from that throughout the, the, uh, world championships. So dude, I hope so. I'm, and like, like I was saying with, um, like thinking about caps, dude, that twisted fate pick, it's so much fun to watch, man. It's so good. And like you, you can really see, like, and and it it's not just up to the team to do well with it. Like, it's got to be the mid laner knows how to use it. And, like, the whole team, like, works around, like, the gold cards and all that, man. Dude, TF is just such a fun pick. Oh, yeah. It's, um, I mean, you can just pop up anywhere on the map so quickly and utilize that ult so well. As soon as you hit level six, the other team has to immediately be constantly aware. It gives you so much pressure. Um, they can't push out lanes as far anymore because what happens if? I mean, a lot of bot lane duos can handle a, a gank from the jungler um, in the two v two. But what happens when all of a sudden it becomes a four v two? Right. F just ults down. 
um, it's it, it's scary. It's a scary pick for for teams to play against. So. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and especially the way Caps was playing it. Like they were they were able to kite back so well, and obviously they had like the Ezreal with the Iceborne Gauntlet. Um, but yeah, dude, like they're just able to kite back so well and they don't even use it like to get the numbers advantage. Like they, they fought the fight and then use the alt to like chase them down, like pin them in like, Oh my God. It's just like, Oh, it's just brutal. It's brutal when other teams are saying like, nah, we're fighting right now. Yep. Yeah. That's just what you don't want to deal with. Yeah. It's bad. You get, can get forced into so many like just bad fights because of it. And, and, and dude, and that's one specifically, cause he's, he's going to come flying in your, your highest priority target is guaranteed getting gold carded. Like that's gotta be like, and then, and then you think of the like Mikel's crucible, like, and I, I know that's an item that people are building at the tournament. Like, so then that's like, Oh, support reaction time. And just, Oh, so many things, man. It's uh yeah, it just, Oh man, globals are just really fun. Things that are, you know, obviously taking watching teams do the complicated maneuvers is just exciting to watch. Yeah, no, it's um, it's cool, and it it really makes makes worlds exciting because you do have these teams that uh, kind of perfected their play styles against their region and watching them come out and pull those out on the world stage against other extremely good teams is it's cool. It's really cool to watch. Yeah. So I think it's been, I think so far it's been a pretty good group stage. Um, it looks like, it looks like group, um, it looks like group B is done their first round Robin and groups A, C and D still have a little bit to go. Um, so the, before we, before we move on, we wanted to, um, we wanted to talk like a little bit about the NA team specifically. Now I think we'll go, uh, we'll go in order of probably least performing. Um, so you got TSM at O2 in group C, and then we have team liquid at O2 in group A. Um, and then also FlyQuest is 1-1 in Group D. We'll talk about FlyQuest later. Um, right now, right now, if you just if you just compare the groups in Group C with TSM, you have LGD Gaming um, from the LPL. You have Fnatic from Europe, and then you have Gen.G from Korea. Now, as we already talked about, Gen.G is looking pretty good, but also Fnatic and LGD. Um, Fnatic and LGD are pretty strong teams. So me being me being the TSM fanboy that I am, I'm going to say I think TSM got the hardest group, so they got the short end of the straw. However, they're not even done their first round robin yet. They're still um yeah, there's still uh life to be had from TSM. And then you have Team Liquid in group A who are also O2. Um but I do believe they have, um, I would say, a slightly easier group, and maybe their skill levels individually as players match out. Um, to be honest, I'm surprised they weren't able to pick up wins uh, in their games. But we'll see. We'll see if they can. Um, now, how did you think? 
how do you feel about the uh, the assertion that TSM got a got a got a tougher group? Oh, definitely. I completely would agree with that. Uh, sli- slide your mic around, Aaron. You're kind of crackling a little bit. Um, try again. Is that any better? Hey, there we go. Perfect. Welcome back. Um, yeah, so I definitely think TSM got a harder group. Um, I think that Team Liquid has some good potential to be able to pick up some wins still. It's uh it's tough watching north america kind of get knocked around though i think um overall though i think team liquid and tsm in both of their uh, them having two losses i would say overall those four games um they didn't look completely outclassed they no, were i don't think they did either i felt like they were very close in each of their games um it is tough though i team liquid has had their games against what I would personally consider the two easier teams in their mind. Yeah. Um, Yeah, definitely. They play G2 uh, coming up this evening morning at 4 a.m. on October the 6th. Um, So that'll be interesting to kind of see how they end up matching up, uh, see if they can maybe pull a, pull a game out against a, a good G2 team. Um, but but yeah, both of their games were definitely close. Um, TSM's slightly less close, but still not not far out from them getting some wins. I would say. Um, I mean, the Gen G game is going to be tough because Gen G's, like you said earlier, a very good team. Um, Fnatic, I would also think is uh, is a pretty solid team as well. So I guess we will see how they do against LGD, who's coming out of the playing stage. Um, I I think they could pick up uh, first win. Who do you think they get it against, though? LGD or Fnatic? I, I think LGD personally. Okay, sure. Um, so and I mean that's the the end of the first round, Robin who they play they play lgd i would not be surprised to see them come out with uh with a win there but um i mean for me watching the first two tsm games i was i mean bjergsen i felt like was just trying to put the team on his back and and keep everything afloat. Um, but I was also I was pretty impressed with Broken Blade and the opportunities that they gave him um, to kind of uh, try and be put on some of these carry style champions. Um, I think that he has a lot of good potential. So I would really like to see uh, put your Your mic's really crackling, Aaron. You cut out a little bit there. My bad. Is that? Uh, it sounds. Yeah, it sounds a little bit better. Let's see. Crackle, crackle. Yeah, just unplugged and plugged back in. Is that? So it's a little better. I think the more you touch it, the worse it gets. Gotcha. 
There we go. Uh, I've been trying not to touch the, the mic too much, but um, uh, it's just like playing with myself, man. I can't not touch it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they've been trying to put Broken Blade on these carry champions. They gave him the Renekton. They gave him uh, the Camille. Um, and so having Bjergsen on kind of these control mages that are able to, in my opinion, um, stay even in lane in any matchup and uh, and scale pretty well, the, the Cinder and the Zillion. Um, I would like to see them continue to do that. I was honestly the most disappointed in TSM's bot lane, though. Um, Doublelift hasn't looked terrible, but he hasn't looked phenomenal and he's been on Senna in both of their games and that's just really not a a carry pick for him. Um right. I, I would like to see him on some like yeah uh champions that he could just carry more um or impact the game more. I, I would even like to see him on Ash, um having the Ashel to kind of change team fights and make a bigger impact um I think would be better than him being on Senna. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the games from TSM, um, I think the word safe is what I would say, uh, as far as like the, the pick and ban phases, like Bjergsen going to Zillion. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like, Kind of like you said, I, I would have liked to see um, a little more playmaking from the bottom lane, especially when it does seem like Bjergsen and Broken Blade are really trying to do a lot. Uh, Speaking in the jungle isn't getting outclassed by, I, I don't think, really any stretch of the imagination. No, um, that was actually really impressive to me for him being um, so young, having no worlds or international experience at all. Um, and and I think the thing, another thing that I'm at least happy with TSM about is they didn't really change their play style between their first and second game. Um, I mean, both times they put Broken Blade on a carry top laner. They have Bjergsen on a more supportive or a control mage mid laner. Mm-hmm. Just like a on, team fighter. Yeah, speak on the Nidalee, both games, double lift on the Senna, and Biofrost on a protective support. They, they seem to have their style that they want to play. Um, and I think they're playing it pretty well, but they're just, it just may not be good enough. It might not be the the best style. Um, and I mean, I, I'm glad that they're they're sticking to their guns, but it's just not quite what they've needed in those first two games to pull out the wins. I guess. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, put double lift on Draven, dude. Did you see that game? <laughs> I did see the Draven game. Holy it was. shit! It was so exciting. I mean, I was I was going through the games and I'm sitting here thinking, oh man, like a lot of the teams are going with the safe 80 carry picks, the Senna, the Ash, the Ezreal. And then I see Draven come out and I was, uh, my, my jaw dropped a little bit. <laughs> Dude, and they played it so well. Like that's, that's where I was going to go when we were talking about the Nidalee pick too, is like they brought, uh, they brought Nidalee down to pressure the wave behind the turret, zoning off the, uh, zoning the Twitch 
completely off of the CS. Draven was up like 20 CS on him, and it wasn't just the gold. It was the experience. Like, Twitch literally did nothing that whole game, and they just abused the shit out of the lane, bro. It was awesome. Like, you don't just, like, farm with Draven. That's exactly what you do with him, dude. You yeah. get up in people's face, man. It was so sick. Yeah. Like that Seeing, that that was been my that's been my standout pick. I would say that in Twisted Fate. I would say so too. Um another another pick that I really liked was um and I I'm gonna have to double check myself, but I believe FlyQuest pulled out the No, they pulled out the the misfortune in their win. Um someone pulled out the Caitlyn and got an early uh early kill bot lane and i was really impressed with it um i mean now caitlin's not caitlin's not like like quote-unquote bad now she just doesn't get through pick and ban all the time right yeah and she it was like it was very interesting seeing her come through and um be able to pressure early and and do what she does Um, yeah she's kind of oppressive in the lane she can be, and uh, she was utilized in, and I'm completely blanking on which game it was, but she was utilized extremely well um, in the early game, which is fun. And so, yeah, seeing the Draven, though, where it's more of a, it's a very skilled, skill, uh, high skill requirement champion, um, where you're you're having to catch the axes. You're having to focus on so many different things at the same time. Um, it's fun to watch. I'm honestly hoping that we get more champions like that in the bot lane. Maybe some Vayne. Um, uh, the Callista was fun to watch. I like those more aggressive AD carries. They're they're fun. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. When you can see, when you can see, like the the traditionally more mechanically intense role, like when they're able to kind of get up in players' faces and really kind of like flex the muscles that those champions have, you know, like the increased mobility, increased damage, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it's just it's just really fun to watch. And yeah. like, dude, shout out, um, uh, what's uh Han Han Wong? I'm gonna say his name wrong every single time. Um, cause I, I have no idea how to, how to say their names. Um, hold on. Juan, Juan Fang from, from Suning is the one that played it. And like, just shout out that kid, man. Like he did not drop axes. He was dude, that that's how you play Draven. That was a masterclass, man. It was sweet. And they paired it with the Leona beautifully. Oh, yeah, well, and then um, it did get picked. The Draven got picked again, actually. I'm not sure if you saw that game. but Oh, shit. No, I didn't in, see um, it twice. Yeah, it was picked by Deft um, in the uh, Dragon Knights versus Top Esports um, matchup. So, okay. They had, the, they had the Draven Thresh in the bot lane. Chovy played Twisted Fate. Um, and they had, uh, it, was, it was interesting, they had the Quinn the Quinn in the top lane to uh, Oh, nice. Honestly, very, very um, different draft. So this hat, they had Renekton in the top lane for top esports. Uh, Carsa was on Nidalee in the jungle. Of course, Carsa being someone who is no stranger to worlds, um, having been there a number of times uh, coming from um, 
the Taiwanese, I believe, league. Is that... Um, what are you asking? Uh, which... So, um, what team? Oh, uh, I, you're thinking not LEC the yeah yeah the uh, what do they call that though it's not just it's not just the Taiwan League uh the it was uh Flash Wolves in the oh the LMS yes LMS yes there you go took me a, took me a second but yeah Carson holy is, shit we know our details man we know them <laughs> inside and out but Carsa Carsa's a player who's been to Worlds a number of times playing for Flash Wolves. Um, but he was on the Nidalee Knight, who I think is personally, I think is one of the best mid laners at Worlds. Um, was on the Nocturne mid, which mm, uh, against Twisted Fate, yeah, which I think is a, a pretty cool way to counter that pick. Um, I mean, if Twisted Fate ults, you just Nocturnal, and he has no idea where he's coming down on, the dude. It's, uh, it's that's, that's heads up, man. I didn't even see that. Yeah, that's some some big brain picks right <laughs> there. <laughs> big brain picks. Holy shit, that's actually really funny. Um, but yeah, so I think, and, and that's another thing with top esports being kind of one of my uh, favorites for the world championships um, in terms of who could potentially win. They they have so much talent on that roster. It, it's kind of crazy to watch. Um, and being able to pull out some of those weirder picks, uh, like the Nocturne mid is, is cool. it's going to win you games, man. It's going to win you games in best of one scenarios for sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so the Draven was taken in that game as well. Gotcha. Um, by Deft who, I mean, personally, I think Deft, uh, Deft is also a long time, uh, competitor at worlds, but I would, I kind of am missing uh, having Uzi or UZI, however you would like to pronounce it, um, at Worlds since he retired this year. It's he's one of those eighty carries or bot lane uh, players that is never afraid to pull out the the kind of crazier picks, the Vayne, the Draven, just because he knows he can beat whoever he's right just one-on-one yeah (laughs) well and that's and that's the crazy thing about those picks though isn't it because it's like it's it's not just the fact that oh you lock in vain at worlds like that that vein could just go and die 10 times it's really not the most impressive thing but it's on those champions then that those players just pop the fuck off and you realize that they're like actually built for it right oh yeah it's, yeah, they're just Dude, like they're how many highlight different. reels is there of Uzi I just like tumbling, tumbling through team fights, just slaughtering everybody. I mean, he he had had to have had at least like four or five pentakills on Vayne in the LPL over his years. Yeah, I, I, it's insane. I would be willing to. I, I know I've seen multiple pentakills from him on Vayne, and it's just. It's so yeah, so fun yeah, to watch. Yeah, it's not just the pick, it's the fact that they show the fuck up then too on like and and they're so well, and I think this is what maybe an element that we haven't really necessarily touched on, but it's more of like a like a macro thing is the spectator element of the game. Like the champion is so flashy too, right? 
you know, with the invisible tumble and the back, 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 and you see like the three bolts like building, and it's just like, yeah, there's something very showy about it. And I think, I think that goes with a lot of the champions is like they they just look really cool when they're doing their thing, right? Yeah. And then when, when it's all seamless, mm, when they mm, when ah. these champions are getting uh, played to kind of their their champion ceiling they're being right perfectly in right a, yeah exactly chef's kiss mwah, like fun there you go it's like so the captain jack watch. cleanse man just like ain't even a thing like it's they're fucking built for it yeah they're yeah. different kind of kind of uh player so yeah shout out shout out uzi he had a great career man he did um and it's it's definitely a little different not seeing him at Worlds, but he did have a phenomenal career with tons of highlight reel uh, plays to to go back and watch. So yeah, leave it to uh, leave it to Juan Fang. I Just, hope I hope he plays Draven every every game from now on. Hey, I wouldn't complain. No, uh, neither would I. It'd be exciting. <laughs> it'd be it'd be super funny, like seeing Draven bands. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> If Draven starts getting banned in uh, in Worlds, then you know that that guy is a problem. <laughs> well, you, all right. Here's here's a problem: is we can't talk about the NA teams without just looping back to the better <laughs> the better Eastern players. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this I, was on a conversation about Liquid and TSM. That's so funny. Yeah, but I mean, I think the, so I, I was telling you before we started, I think the real interesting thing for me is um, kind of the difference in how the mid laners have performed for each of the North American teams. So, and and not in a sense that any of them have performed um, poorly, but you see Bjergsen is kind of, uh, trying to be that supportive mid laner, put out fires, keep his team afloat all over the map, um, especially on his zillion pick, which uh, we've seen do some serious damage in North America. Um, but also Jensen, I felt like was doing very well of staying even in lane, but he was not able to really press advantages. Um, but then watching, um, watching Power of Evil in the win that FlyQuest got, he was oppressive on the Syndra in the mid lane. And I mean, he's playing a control mage just like Bjergsen and Jensen were, but uh, specifically think like in my mind, there was one fight around dragon um, that Power of Evil hit. It's him and... I believe his top laner on Vol. I think it's solo on Volibear, or no, it's uh no, it's Santorin on Vol Volibear, and they're fighting around Dragon. The rest of the team gets wiped. They lose their top laner, eighty carry support, and it's a two v four with UOL Unicorns of Love having their four uh, champions relatively low health, and Power of Evil was just sitting there poking them and poking them and poking them and getting a kill and holding them off from taking this dragon 2v4 until his team comes back from dying. They get the dragon and just kind of 
continue to push through. And I mean, it was a close game. UOL played uh, very well, but Power of Evil was really like, he, he popped off in that game. I think his final uh, KD was uh, 9 3 and 3, if I remember correctly. And he he just performed so well in that game. It was. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's uh, a pretty big scoreline, especially like for these like for these boards. That's that's way more kills than a lot of people are really getting. Yeah, he and he just seemed to be able to push his advantage. And I mean, I know that Unicorns of Love is a team coming from the the CIS region, from um, the uh, the Russia, I, I guess Russian and Eastern European primarily league. Um, where which which is crazy because they were they were uh, they, a yeah. European LCS team for a long time. I guess they then they just like move regions. Yeah, and okay. so I mean they're they're in the technically like emerging regions group, but right, the time, but they're a long-standing org. Yeah, and um, so FlyQuest getting the win, the first win for North America. Um, hopefully w- one of many more. We will cross our fingers. Um. I mean, but, looking at their roster, though, seriously, looking at their roster, they look like a team that should be able to win. Um, UOL? Uh, no, FlyQuest. FlyQuest. FlyQuest specifically, yeah. Like, Turtle, Turtle's been been on stage before. Power's been on stage before. Santorin's been on stage before. Has Ignar played at Worlds before? I believe so. Okay, uh, and then I don't know a whole lot about so- Solo. He Solo. died nine times in that game, though, by the way. <laughs> he did. Renekton <laughs> has been a, a pretty rough pick. Um, Dude, I, it's never really impressed me as, it, like, a top-tier, top-lane pick. It's just not. I don't think it does much. I, I would, it's weird. Eh. I don't know why so many people pick it. I think it it's a comfort pick for a lot of top-laners because Solo Q... Well, I mean, the champion itself, it's something else I had on my uh, bullet points that I wanted to to mention, but... Talk about I mean, it. Go for it. Renekton is a very big lane bully. Like, he can dominate the lane early, and I think a lot of top laners get used to playing him in solo queue. Sure, I sure. I think that's why he is kind of a comfort pick, because he doesn't really lose lane. But the problem is, once you get into these later game team fights, he he has his slice and dice dash. He has his little one second stun, um, but he doesn't get extremely tanky. Um, he's much more of a bruiser. So if you're diving in with him, you can get blown up relatively quickly, um, and he gets kited really easily. It's if you hit him with a slow, and he doesn't get and isn't able to get his dice off on his slice and dice dashes right he's just caught out in the middle of everything um so i mean even though he is strong he's teams that picked renekton started out zero and five at the world championships in this group stage and then they they did one their win their three most recent games so he's three and five been played in eight games but i mean the teams that won on him it was uh i mean i know two of them one is uh 
FlyQuest, obviously, right. having Solo on him with nine deaths. Another one was Top Esports. They had 369, their top laner, play yeah. him. And I, like, I don't know, man. It, top Esports is one of the favorites to win the whole tournament. Is Right. So that's in. It's probably more commentary about the team, not the champion. Exactly. And so I honestly don't know why he's getting picked so much. Um, I I mean, the the comfort pick, that sounds fine to me. Um, It sounds like a fine reason. But but I don't think that comfort picks are something that play champions that you're that you know how to play at Worlds. You don't want to get caught out on something that you're not comfortable with, but at the same time, you should be comfortable on more meta champions that are going to be more useful for your team, in my uh, my opinion. Um, I think that he's just, it's not an extremely valuable champion pick. and I would like to see less of it <laughs> going forward. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking about like, just like from a team comp perspective, like if it feels like the advantage garnered, like the gold advantage garnered from a Renekton would be so much better on like an Orn where he can just upgrade everybody's items and just get like thousands of dollars, thousands of gold worth of stats just for free. I mean, just play Camille. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, or, or or something that just like offers more utility in a team fight, like you, like the AOE that he's just like being big in the middle of a fight. Like I'm not I'm not sure that's doing a whole lot, man. Give, and give me give me the Camille that you dude, even give me a Maokai, bro. Like yeah. that's that's gonna bring more utility than than a Renekton single target right. stun. Yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking more in terms of like more comparable pick. Um, I mean, the Camille, you've got a dash, you have your slingshot, you have a stun if you hit your slingshot, right? Um, but you have a slow and a shield if you're with your Q, um, and your ultimate can isolate a champion on the other team so easily. Right. Then you're just diving into the middle of everyone and hoping for the best, essentially. Um, and hoping for your team to follow up and to be more of a distraction. Camille, at least, you can do the same things, but you can isolate someone and try and, and kind of solo someone out so that you end up in a 5v4 fight. Right. Um, it's, I think, a much better pick. And, I mean, we have seen the Camille a number of times already at Worlds. We've even seen the Jacks already. I'd rather see a Jacks over a Renekton. At least you have like split push potential and then, you know, pass X amount of time, dude. No, literally no champion can touch you. It's so hard to kill a Jacks late game. I um, mean, what do you, yeah, what, what do you do? But like a Renekton, a Renekton's going to burn. You get a Blade of the Rune King, it's, it's all over. A Jacks, <laughs> you, you can't kill invo- like you, un, untargetable. You can't kill that. Yeah. No, I, I <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I'm with you. I I want to see less Renekton too. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it can win. Obviously, it has three times, but I think there are better value picks you can get. Um, Definitely. 
so I'm hoping, yeah, hoping to see a little bit more of that um, coming through Worlds. Um, but uh, another thing I just wanted to mention about FlyQuest, I guess, with their win is, um, I know we talked about the different the different team members, um, and one being Santorin. And honestly, I have been very happy with Santorin in general. Um, and it's cool to see him back at Worlds because he. His last time at Worlds was, I believe, in 2016 with TSM. And wasn't it like marred with like bannings and stuff, or like who who no, who was having was, to sit out at Worlds? No, so that was Svens Garen when he played for ooh, it was European team H2K maybe. Because wasn't it like visas and like if people were allowed to be there, could they like get their travel things authorized and this and that? Like, oh, dude, he may have been. Um, do you I'm remember all of, that? I'm thinking of 2014 Sven Skarin, um playing for SK Gaming being banned, but I don't specifically remember that with oh, um, for toxicity. Yeah, a little bit of toxicity. Yeah, dude. What is it with the European players being so unsportsmanlike, man? Um, I think it's uh much more common in because I mean, okay, they say the c word. Well, no, I mean the way you look at it, um, the North American League of Legends scene is comprised essentially of two countries, and they both primarily speak English. You've got Canada and the United States. Right. And I mean, yeah, you do have um, players coming from other countries in Europe uh, being imported over to North America, but everyone's speaking English. So you're able to communicate pretty well. In Europe, I mean, you've got people from speaking an absurd amount of different languages on one server, the EUS server, which is primarily like the stronger server in terms of. Um, high skill players you've got um people like forgiven who's playing from greece who primarily speaks greek you've got french players you've got people speaking polish you've got people speaking dutch you've got people speaking english german you have so many different languages and i league of legends can be frustrating enough to play in solo queue um, I can't even imagine trying to be put in a game where there's potentially five different people on the team speaking different languages. Like every every single person on your team could potentially be from a different country and not speak a common language, which I can imagine be very frustrating. Um, so I think from going from that and I think it's gotten better over the years in terms of them uh, players coming from Europe realizing. Um, but I think coming from that where you're like, oh, this this guy's speaking Polish. I can't even understand him. And he's feeding on my team. Or this guy's speaking German and he's feeding on my team. And I don't understand anything he's saying. Like going to another country to boot camp or whatever and not being able to understand the other people on your team, I, I feel like they have an inclination to be frustrated with that. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, okay. All I right. Think, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of where some of that comes from. Sure. Uh, or even like my English is different than your English. And we just like got our wires crossed kind of thing. Yeah. 
No, sure, exactly. okay. Um, and I think uh, I don't know, dude. I feel like the c word spelled the same. The c word is spelled the same. <laughs> you throw it around a lot. Hey, it means it means different things in uh in Australia. Saying the c word means like your your bro, your homie, like. <laughs> You go and see see one of your friends at the bar, and you're like, "Oi, you c-word." <laughs> um, Set a precedent, dude. Now we can't say it. Yeah, uh, I mean, we could say it, but we could say it. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to offend anybody. There are words that are definitely worse to say than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised. But I feel like, like moist. that's where. Feel like that's that's where um, some of the uh, underlying toxicity from Europe might come from. Honestly, European League of Legends uh, servers just re- sound like uh, a normal Modern Warfare Two server back in the day. Dude, <laughs> playing there Call of Duty back in in 2011, 2010, and just having people. T- saying that they banged your mom and um, throwing all sorts of uh, terrible, terrible things at you are. <laughs> that's what that reminds me of, dude. Yeah, Xbox Live. Xbox Live is not a punishment. I would wish on my worst enemy having to go and just sit with headphones on and be subject to that, man. Well, it's gotten a lot better. The rating mean, would break anybody, dude. Into. Today's day and age, I, I haven't heard as many people say some of the terrible things that uh, were said to me back in the day. So <laughs> we're, we're growing up. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, I guess looking forward at um, the world championships, kind of, uh, we don't have to make predictions, but do you? Uh, feel like we're going to see TSM or Team Liquid get any any dubs coming through the next uh, or the last game of their round robins and going into the next one? I'm going to guess TSM is going to be second out of the groups. They're going to end 4-2. Okay. So they're just going to they're going to rally win the rest of their games. Yeah. Um, and then every game moving forward. All right. That's a TSM fanboy if I've ever heard one. TSM um, <laughs> World Champions 2020. Um, I, Bet I, on I it. Could, I could see TSM getting three wins going three and three, um, but I definitely expect them to pick up a couple of wins. Um, I would be pretty disappointed if they didn't. Um, and then Liquid... Um, I think Liquid could definitely like actually win games. Yeah, I think Liquid. I could. I really don't. E- even G two looking so good, I don't see any team in there. Um, their round robin being completely out of reach for them to beat. Um, I don't necessarily expect it against G two, but I would expect them to to pick up a couple games, um, or I guess in their next matchups against Suning and uh, Machi. Um, and then FlyQuest. I don't know, man. They're an enigma. I uh, they could pick up more wins. They could not. They've looked pretty decent, but um, I could see them. I could see them going three and three. I honestly, uh, unfortunately, 
don't see any of the the North American teams getting out of their group. I hope I'm crossing my fingers, but because man, I would love to see a nice matchup between Rogue and TSM in the in the <laughs> semifinal or uh, I guess quarterfinals. Wait, don't you mean the finals? Because TSM is going to win Worlds. True. Sorry. Well, I mean, they don't have to necessarily play Rogue in the finals. They could play them earlier. Well, what a boring, what a boring fucking final that would be. Hey, All man. the actually good players are knocked out of the tournament, and then it's just like it's been hyped up for a, a long time. Back when Rogue was the tenth place team in LEC, uh, there were so many memes about while well, they could still beat TSM. Dude, really? Oh, that was a thing for a while. Yeah. What's, holy was, shit! National was, pride um, is strong over there. No, it was. Um, uh, some of the commentators in Europe were saying they're like, oh, or I forget if it was commentators or just analysts were saying that, oh, Rogue's the 10th place team in Europe, but North America's so bad they could still beat TSM. And there was a whole meme about Rogue being, yeah. being able to beat TSM <clears throat> as a 10th place, as a last place team. Damn. Yeah, so there was uh there was some hope that TSM would somehow slide into the same group as Rogue so we could actually see that. <laughs> there were there were people joking about it during the group draw. They're like, "Oh man, if Rogue and TSM could end up in the same awesome." Uh, but unfortunately, it did not happen. But it would have been uh, no, 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 no. They, no, no. That was um, I think two years ago. They were a tenth place team, and they really, their organization really turned it around. Um, they went with a lot of young talent and uh, kind of newer players, and they've all been able to perform exceptionally well. Um, I think a big part of that is due to their bot lane having Vander, who's got a lot of good experience, and Han Sama, who is also a just extremely extremely talented, up-and-coming kind of guy. Yeah, he's been consistent for a good amount of his career, no matter what team he's been on. Because yeah. he played in he played in North America for a bit, right? I think he may have for a split. It wasn't very long. Um, okay. But he uh, he primarily played for Misfits in Europe. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that sounds familiar. Hold on. Yeah. Let me check. Let me check if he did play in North America because I might just be. Are you just lying to me? No, I. I'm I, gaslighting you, dude. <laughs> Please don't. That hurts my feelings. Um. He played for. Uh, never in North America. I never. guess it would have been the Misfits lineup that I would have recognized him from. Yeah, it would um, because he played with Fabiven on Misfits for a bit. Okay, that's where Fabiven I would have known him from. Came to North America after being there. Yes, because I was a big Fabiven fanboy, dude. He was. He. I mean, honestly, I think he's still a great player. Oh, I think so too. Um, he's not as after coming to North America and going back to Europe. He's not the same. But. Yeah, he's changed. He he has. He got crushed by the losing mentality of North America. The fucking the big <laughs> dick of the cloud nine, dude. Um, got smacked in the face with it one too many times. 
I, it hurts, man. It's rough. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's a I rough guess. dick. Sandpaper. The Cloud Nine sandpaper dick. Hey. Fucking whapped in the face for Bivin. What are you gonna do? It's not something that most people can handle. Coming to North America and having to deal with that. Brutal, man. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited to see how, how things continue to go. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it's been a pretty fun tournament so far. Yeah. I don't um, think it's been maybe as competitive as other years, sadly. Um, I would Or it may just be I don't know enough. It, it's hard it's hard to say i i just feel like there's not um any team that has as much hype behind them as in other years mm. um especially i i think that's something that's kind of weird with um the lpl teams that are coming in is i mean the lpl has won worlds the past two years um and neither team that won worlds is back so that right, so you lose like the defending champ element right and so there's there's and some of those defending players too like you don't right. have ig or fun plus phoenix coming back and that along with um i i mean i know i mentioned it before but skt not being there and having having fewer players that are like storied players with these long long histories and everything um I think affects the narrative a bit more and makes it seem a bit more competitive just in the sense that there's not as many extremely well-known players for the casual fan to be like, Oh, I'm looking forward to Uzi. I am looking forward to Faker. I'm looking forward to, uh, whoever. Um, uh, interesting. Okay. That, no, yeah. I think that's a fine point to make. Sure. Yeah. So I think that might be part of it, but that makes it seem more competitive. Um, because there's not anyone that, or, or there's not as many teams that just like automatically stand out in your mind as being like a, a number one favorite. So that's mm -hmm. a little intrigue to it. Interesting. Okay. It would do And even cause I would be like, dude, well, wouldn't G2 be a favorite? And then, but then the thing is, is. Well, not necessarily just in the sense that we know like Europe and North America really like struggle to get deep, like yeah. deeper into tournaments. Well, and I mean, uh, like Europe hasn't won a world championship since season one. Um, right. So I. And it was a different game back then, really. It was. And so I can't I can't just automatically consider, even though they do have a lot of well-known and storied players, I can't look at them quite as like a um, dominant favorite coming into the championships um, since they're, I mean, they did win MSI a couple years back, which is definitely big, but yeah, um, that's not, not international competition. Yeah, no, but it's, uh, it's not quite the same. Um, I think a big thing for a lot of people is whatever Lee whatever league the team who wins the world championships comes from. Um, that was a really weird roundabout way of saying that, but um, yeah, whichever, whichever team wins their league is just kind of looked at as the best. So any team coming from other leagues is just not, uh, I think automatically looked at as a odds on favorite. Uh, um, 
Okay, sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of agree with that. Especially in a year, like I said, with LPL not having the world championship returning again. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, you have to assume whatever team kind of beat last year's world championship or world championship team, especially having four teams beat them to come from the LPL. Right. Uh, you got to assume that those teams have to be stronger. Um, and if they beat last year's world champion, that kind of uh, puts at least puts that in your mind a little bit. So. Hmm. At least for me, I feel like that's kind of the my my mind going off and thinking like, why, why are the narratives different? Why are people looking at this year's worlds differently? Cause I, I feel the same way. I feel very much, I mean, this is the first year that uh, I know I'm a, a cloud nine fanboy, but this is the first year since cloud nine joined the LCS that they haven't been at worlds. Right. Um, so you're actually having to find like different reasons to get invested, not just like, yeah, you don't starting have starting at cloud nine and branching off. You don't have an automatic, or for myself at least, I don't have an automatic like go to thing to watch. And I feel like probably in other regions, they most likely feel pretty similarly. Right. Um, so no, I I actually think that's a great point. And yeah, you've probably uh you've probably kind of hit the nail on the head. I'll tell you where I started until I fucking heard LS's voice was the LCK and LPL games. I was like, oh, that's probably where like the good shit is. And then I heard him casting. I was like, fuck out of here, dude. I forgot that you're not a big fan of LS, dude. What his <laughs> so I, I I have a big problem with somebody who. And uh, you let me just hop on my fucking soapbox here because oh, I'm such an it. asshole, too. But like. There's something about a guy like there. I feel a way about a guy who on his personal YouTube channel will like rip into the system that he works for. Like he's involved in like. Like he's a like he, a team member at Riot, right? He's on the cast. He he's he's not a Riot employee technically. He's a, he's a contracted employee though for Riot to cast for the LCK games. So yeah, he's okay. He's he's employed by them in some sense, but he's not technically like working within their organization. I guess. Fair enough. Then in my mind, that that gives him a little more leeway in the sense, but like he, huh. He has very yeah he he tends to have very strong opinions about what's going on um in these games and with these teams and with these players and I've never seen a shoutcaster like cast with so much hubris in the sense of like dude like he was a he was a coach at some point correct um, yes, he's been a coach for a number of different teams. Uh, most recently, he was the coach for the BBQ Olivers in the LCK region, um, right. where he actually brought in some European players for one of their um, like B or C teams. They're like practice squad teams. Right. Um, but and how, how long did each of those coaching positions last, I wonder? Um, I think he like, did that for a year or two, maybe. Um, okay. So, I mean, he's... Has he ever won? 
Does he have any oh, championships? Any? He, he doesn't. And okay. I mean, and I think that's that's where my frustration comes from. Is he talks like he he sounds like an armchair football player that is actually able to influence the opinions of the people watching the show. Like he actively talks shit on the players on cast. Oh that, yeah, that to I me think... is not fun to listen to. No, and I think that it's a bit um, unnecessary slash over the top in some circumstances. I do personally think he's a really intelligent person who knows a lot about the game. Um, And I think that that knowledge of the game gives him, kind of like you said, a little bit of hubris to feel like he is kind of above them in terms of knowing what's best and what isn't best. Um, I mean, one of his big things is he kind of believes that 90% of games are like determined after the draft. And that if, if both teams play out their draft the way that they're supposed to be, that he can tell who's going to win every single time. Yeah. Both comps are played to perfection. Okay. Um, And so I think uh, the fact that he is so knowledgeable about like what items do, what gives you more damage, um, specifically his, his freak freak knows all that math too. Freak knows all that math too, but he doesn't have to come across like a fucking dickhead about it. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like no, it, no, it, it's I, the I same numbers. They're crunching I, the exact same numbers. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, with Freak, I think he is um, not always liked for <laughs> for his casting for uh, kind of the opposite reasons. He's a little too uh, corny and goofy. Um, Honestly, I think he's stuff, very new player friendly, though. No, he, def- he definitely I, is. I think that's cool. Um, I, I enjoy that. I think my personal favorites to cast, um, this is very off topic from just like worlds itself and how it's going, but I kind of like going down <laughs> this trail. But uh, I really, Captain Flowers is definitely one of my favorite casters. He, he is the biggest fan of League of Legends, and that's what he, makes it so cool. He gets so excited, yep, but also... Yep. He's such I a mean, fan. I mean, also, people call him Rap God for a reason. Like, yeah, he, yeah, he, he can... He can when, oh, yep. man. If anyone, anyone who's listening is not a big League of Legends fan, which at this point, I'm not sure why you'd still be listening, but... <laughs> 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 but... Uh, they just love your voice dude they just love your voice they don't care what you say i hope you still are but uh i honestly recommend anyone to just look up captain flowers rap god on youtube and just listen to him cast some fights because he's um for anyone who doesn't know captain flowers is a play-by-play commentator so Anytime there's a gigantic fight, five versus five, or he, even skirmishes, that's who's responsible as well. Yeah, he is. He's not doing the analytics, but he's calling out every single ability and every single move that each person. He's calling out ten people's moves all in sequence for these fights, and it is wildly impressive and fun to watch. Um, well, and and to yeah, to that point, I think that's why I'm so critical of some of the casters because I find the cast of the match just as entertaining as the match. Yeah. Well, right? and that's, 
that's kind of why. And the other person I really like listening to is Quick Shot, because Quick Shot okay. is able to really he he is very analytical in in a lot of ways. Um, but at the same time, he really knows how to have fun with it. He's not um, belittling anyone or making it like you would kind of say of LS. He's not making anyone seem um, or like feel bad about. <laughs> right. Anything. Like, like there's like, no judgment calls about the play. They just talk about the play, maybe like negative just, yeah. implications of like what could happen, but it's not just like, Oh, doing B is so garbage that he missed that cannon minion. Like, dude, why, why is he building that? Because, yeah, of, yeah, yeah I, I definitely get where you're coming from. Um, with that but i think um uh, <laughs> watching ls can be very informative but i can get where you're coming from with that about not being as uh enjoyable sure if you're if you i i i believe if you are a like a seasoned watcher and you really know macro micro and where maybe some of the fluff of a cast can be stripped away for you. And like, you really kind of just want to know the gritty nitty gritty of it. And yeah, maybe in your head that you're thinking, Oh my gosh, like what is this top laner doing? Like, you know, he missed his teleport timing. Oh, and then you hear LS like comment on that teleporter timing. You're going to be like, Oh, I'm, okay, I know what's going on about this game. Like, yeah. yes, there. I, I do believe there is a time and a place for high game IQ casting where you can, like, really like really shed a light on a strategic moment that's happening in the game. Yeah. I, I do believe there's significant value in that. And and to your point, yeah, I, I, I believe his game IQ is very high. It just, it comes across... Or he utilizes that tool in his tool belt, I think, improperly for most of the audience that's watching, right? If you're an English listener and you're watching the LCK, you're you're probably looking for that kind of a cast, right? You're probably looking for the... for the nuance of it. And, you know, you've seen... You would have seen um, just to just to use like like examples. You would have seen um, BDD go up against Faker multiple times over. So it's really funny then when the cast are just like, "Oh, talk shit about like a uh, like a common misplay in that specific matchup." Like, okay, now you're like actually in on the joke then with that caster then, right? Yeah, definitely. I don't believe I. I, I just don't believe Worlds is the place for that kind of a cast, and I, I don't I don't think LS is that kind of caster. No, I I definitely um, agree with you in that sense. I think he he does have a lot, and I I think that's why um, I honestly prefer him for uh, his co streams and and whatnot, which I didn't honestly watch a lot of, but or watching him co stream with I will dominate. Like you can right. take dude, go away that's from the past. Funny, dude. You're, that's funny. You're able to like actually have these guys and they're able to utilize their audience of people who do enjoy that kind of um style of breakdown and analytics as opposed to I mean, you're you're a hundred percent right. Like it's the world stage. People who don't normally watch League of Legends are 
tuning in for this. Right. And having someone like Freak, who, even though I don't personally think he's the best caster, he breaks things down very well for yep. uh, the casual viewer. I think that is a bigger um, advantage in term for for the growth of League of Legends in general than um, than having someone who's super highbrow, uh, analytical, kind of going through everything. Right. So I, right. I, I wouldn't even be upset if Riot did a, a secondary stream where they have like a, it, it's a Riot broadcast, but it's more of a analytical high, um, like high thought broadcast as opposed to a fun like entertaining casual broadcast i think right another maybe cool way way to do it yeah like sit down maybe like with coaches that don't have games going on and you know they're on the couch watching too and like oh that's really interesting because like i've heard my players talk about like this and that and like you hear about a little tangent about like oh why they're actually picking set in the mid lane while counter picking with volley bear top like like those those are insane insights even having uh coaches that aren't at worlds like i mean even that you could have ls out there doing a cast with the fishio um or even jat when team liquid if he's available with team liquid being there like two guys who have been on the broadcast uh previously for both lec and lcs in terms of deficio and jat who are now coaches or i'm actually not sure if deficio is still a coach but they're both extremely smart about the game you could have some really uh cool conversations in that kind of cast that's set apart from like the just normal cast. Right. And then contextually it would, it would make sense. And the, and the jokes might like maybe land a little better. Cause there's, well, there's like, the, you're, you're just in the space the for audience. it then. Yeah. Right. You're, right. You're right. Tailoring it to that kind of audience. So, right. Yeah. Um, I think the more we break it down, maybe, maybe I don't necessarily have a problem with LS. That's probably a bit, that's probably a bit broad stroke. I think I just have an issue with maybe his casting style. It's yeah. more, um, but at the same time, you also yeah. don't have to enjoy everyone that you're watching. There are plenty yeah, of yeah, uh, other true. sports broadcasters that I don't enjoy watching when I have to on uh, on TV for other sports. So yeah, like rest in peace, Kobe. Man, fuck the Lakers. <laughs> no, I'm thinking more like Joe Buck. I can't stand Joe Buck, whether he's commentating baseball or football. He there you go. nuts or Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman is such a homer for the Cowboys, and as a an Eagles fan, I I do not respect it. <laughs> dude all right so if we're gonna talk about just like voices then and i know i know i messaged you about this before but there's there's a good chance that there's a good chance that you didn't that you didn't look into it did you see the marbula the marbula e on gels marble runs youtube channel uh, you thought i was kidding no no no, i i didn't think you were because back when quarantine and lockdown first happened uh from covid my roommates and i were like well there's no sports all sports have been canceled what do we do and we spent literally multiple weeks watching marble one races Um, nice okay cool no no and we fought and we followed it through it was like Every Friday night, we would go and watch the qualifier for the 
the Marble One race to see where nice. our teams. I'm a big Green Ducks guy. I'm a big nice. Green Ducks guy. Okay, okay. I was <laughs> and, a fan. Uh, I was a fan of Team Galaxy. I really uh, like. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, nice. Yeah, All right. So we're uh, Shane, nice. Shane was right, cool. Shane was an Shane was a an O Rangers guy. I think. Is that Ooh, they they actually finished like pretty high in the well, um. First, first chain was a Team Momo fan, but Team Momo did so poorly in the first couple of races we lost. Yeah. We, we allowed him to pick a different team. Nice. <laughs> so, okay, um, dude, because that was incredibly dude, exciting. And no, did you see one partnered partnered with um, Formula E? I didn't, um, but it doesn't surprise me. He was it's Jell's, amazing. Jell's Marbles is a really entertaining channel because he not only does the Marble One, he but does he everything. Also does other like marble like dirt track races. I forget what he calls them. He also does Marble Olympics, which is a lot of fun, including things like high jump for marbles, where he has a spring loaded thing, and for whatever reason, the marbles go to different. Um, heights and whatnot for the high jump it's it's a blast we had a lot of fun watching that um dude yeah it's like the the production value is so high the like attention to detail is insane yeah. like i i love this channel it's so it good was, it was crazy because he went from uh just kind of it seemed like doing this for maybe a, a very small group but when I mean, it got to the point I think ESPN might have like tweeted some things out about it because people were so and I know Barstool Sports um had some stuff about marble racing at one point. Well, on I think I think he, he also got a, a late night TV shout out from like Stephen Colbert or somebody that was just like, Oh, have you seen these marble races? And yeah, you know, well, just we were, like um Shane's brother had found them and sent them to Shane to watch and okay. just got hooked. <laughs> we were watching them for uh, a few weeks. It was a Dude, blast. That's sick. Yeah, yeah. Cause I had so much fun watching the races we're and then they sitting there drinking, watching the races, like cheering for our team. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> and, and by your team, you actually mean these, these two marbles that are just racing around a track. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. fuck. It's amazing. It's um, so good. Yeah, Billy is not my uh, marble for the Green Ducks. He he was kind of slacking in a lot of the races. Yeah, really. he was really slow. I wasn't Billy, a fan. Billy was rough. So. <laughs> All right, cool. So so you actually you're you're a, a well-ingrained uh, marble racer then. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, so yeah. big dude, big marble fan. Jack Nichols, the guy who is um, common doing commentary for the Marbula E, the one that they partnered with uh, Formula E for. Okay, dude, his casting is amazing. His voice, it's like it's like British butter, dude. It's so good. I think that might be something else that. Um, I mean, I'm I'm guessing that this is a good way to kind of transition into being the best formula one podcast on the air um <laughs> uh no i mean i i definitely enjoy hearing the commentary i feel like um a lot of british commentary for like racing is very smooth like that buttery and just like smooth uh smooth voice for the commentating i enjoy uh hearing in a formula one race hearing and it's lights out in yep. wherever I, yep. oh, it gets me every time. 
and we're racing in Spain. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It is. It's just uh, exciting, man. Very exciting. Well, I mean, because you know you're in for this like high octane fucking thing, and you know it's like the 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 auditory cue that sets it off. Yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, man. So Jack Nichols, great commentary for Marvel E. Shout out that guy. I'm gonna have um, to watch that because I guarantee I'm gonna just love every second of uh, it. Oh, dude, it's amazing. And the the next race comes out like mid October, so you'll be able to catch up and then get hyped for race five. Ooh, that's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna get hooked on it again. There we go. Dude, it's so exciting. Like Mercedes is like actually nice. Like you see Aston Martin, like it's it's fun, dude. It's fun. That's cool that they yeah. actually like took the teams from Formula One and like did. Put them in, or Formula E, I guess, and put they them did. in Marbula. Yeah, um, it's cool. But I guess uh, that is a good transition to to briefly talking. We don't have to go crazy long with talking about Formula One, um, like we haven't passed. But I know one of the big things before air before you get into it. I just, oh, yeah. I just want to say, all right, so it, mu- it must be pretty brutal for any of our fans who have waited around for us to talk about F1 and then like, oh, I don't care about the other topics. They're like, oh, we're because sometimes we started with F1 and now it's taken like two hours to get here. So well, yeah, it's we're bait. really testing our fans here. <laughs> it's bait. <laughs> we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're fooling them into <laughs> listening to us talk about other stuff for two hours just for that sweet, sweet satisfaction of <laughs> Formula One. <laughs> Call ourselves an F1 podcast. Talk about League of Legends for an hour and a half. Like, exactly. same, dude. Hey, that's man. what I came for. It, it's an off week from Formula One. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, okay. All right, yeah. No, it is no, an off it could week. Be, I, I, wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have dived as deep into worlds with uh, League of Legends. I, I don't, well, maybe I would have. Um, <laughs> if, it, if it was a... Uh, a race week for F1, but uh, well, that's true. It's not even like we're like really getting into it. You just wanted to talk about the Honda contract, right? Yeah. I mean, getting into that, like it's um, pretty interesting to me that Red Bull. uh, So for anyone who doesn't know, Honda announced that they are leaving formula one for 2021. And so um, after a a lot of people, uh, including myself, were kind of surprised by that just because Honda is, um, they have performed much better than I expected, um, coming in as a engine supplier that hasn't been in Formula One for a bit. So seeing them decide to leave was a little bit surprising, especially after Alpha Tauri had Pierre Gasly win, uh, in Monza. You've got, uh, Max Verstappen driving the Red Bull with a Honda engine, finishing in the podium six different times. This uh, it might, I think it's six different times so far this uh, this season, um, where he's finished in the podium places. So Honda has performed well, but um, I guess they're leaving because they Honda, the company, is focusing on really reducing their carbon footprint um going forward and formula one uh for all that the hybrid power that it is um is definitely not a super um environmentally friendly (laughs) i guess you could say um uh sport in terms of their their engines producing pollution and whatnot 
So that's, I guess, the reason that Honda is leaving F1, um, which I guess has a number of different impacts. Um, So one, uh, for anyone who's watched the Drive to Survive, Justin, you can definitely uh, comment on this one is, who is going to be Red Bull's new engine supplier? And the top one would be Renault. And I mean, you've seen in the Drive to Survive series the conflict going on between Christian Horner and uh, Renault's team boss. They right, and it was and it was already after like, oh, we're gonna go with Renault for our for our engines, and we're kind of kind of liking Renault, and then we've got big beef with Renault. We're gonna go to Honda, and now they're going to be left without an engine maker and they may have to go back to Renault. And that's probably going to be a pretty bad look if you ask me, because I imagine they're probably not going to have the capital to buy theirs from Mercedes. Mercedes and, and no one, I mean, not no one. um, I wouldn't expect them to want to go for a Ferrari engine. um, uh, Seeing how Ferrari's performed recently yeah Um, unfortunately but but yeah i guess the other big implication that i'm curious to see what happens um is so i mean max verstappen is has been trying to build a kind of future with red bull it seems um and his contract goes through 2023 but with um honda bowing out of formula one in 2021 Verstappen actually has a exit clause in his contract where he could leave after the 2021 season. Um, And there's been a lot of speculation, honestly, about how much longer does Lewis Hamilton stay in formula one. Right. He doesn't, if he does retire in the near future in the next couple of years, which wouldn't shock me. I mean, he, I mean, he's six-time world champion. He's been around for over a decade um, in Formula One. I would not be shocked to see him retire. Is Verstappen going to be the new uh, face of the Mercedes team potentially? Because you've seen obviously how he can perform if Mercedes is able to keep up their dominance moving into the new uh, regulations and the new era of F1 in 2021, like what does that look like? Um, hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, Cause I mean, I feel like Mercedes since they've joined F1 has been very dominant and they're going to, definitely want to look to i mean total wolf is not a loser he is someone who i 100 percent believe is gonna be looking to go out and get the best possible driver and in my opinion currently with what's out there i see see it as max verstappen i could see and i know we kind of talked about it a little bit with uh you and i were talking about formula two but a max verstappen george russell mercedes lineup uh, is not completely out of the question in my mind. I mean, the okay, so that is that is only a possibility in a world where Valtteri isn't number three in every single one of those races. 
he's been up there just as much as Lewis, just as much as Max. He's been up at the top of the podium. So I don't think Mercedes can easily overlook Valtteri when looking at the Mercedes seats. I don't I, I don't think they pitch Valtteri for George Russell. Um, I don't necessarily or I, I don't automatically think about think of it that way, but you have to think about it a little bit this way. So this is going to be probably in a year or two down the line, um, potentially for anything like this to happen. Right. George Russell has ties to Mercedes and Toto Wolf um, from coming up through F2 and everything. He's 22. Right. Max Verstappen's 23. Valtteri's 31. And Lewis is 35. They're okay, so you so you think Valtteri's out then soon I, too? I could. I don't necessarily see him retiring ex- as soon as or, or as close in the future as I could see Lewis retiring. But I could see him going more the way of a um, a Kimi Raikkonen or a Danny uh, Kvyat who are long time or longer. I guess Danny is not as long. He's only 26, but uh, someone more like Kimi Raikkonen um, who has been around for quite a long time in F1 world champion um, or even a Sebastian Vettel, uh, someone who they're still good, but not, competing at the top of their game um, and seeing them continue to race for kind of a lower tier team. I could see that happening with Valtteri. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, it just, Oh man, I, I'm, I'm just not sure how easily I can wrap my head around that. Cause like he, dude, he's not middle of the pack. It, like well, if he was middle of the pack, I would believe you. And that, yeah. that age 31 would might hit a little different, but I think he's just as quick as Max still. He he is. He definitely is. Um, But at the same time, I think Mercedes, especially if Lewis retires in the next couple of years, is going to be looking for their new faces for the team of the future. And that's probably not Valtteri. I don't see it being that. Um, And maybe you end up with a... Uh, Max Verstappen, Valtteri Botas team for a year where it's the two. Okay. Okay. Um, I could definitely see that happening. Valtteri has a contract and Lewis retires. So they like Mercedes goes after Max, but um, I, I could see, I guess feel like Mercedes likes to look to the future a bit more. And I could see uh, that happening with like Verstappen, George Russell, um, Red Bull going with like Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, uh, two younger guns. That would be interesting, uh, to say the least. The fact that they've um, swapped for each other on in the Red Bull teams, but um, or who knows, there could be other people that come up and and perform well and come into F one. So that's uh, I guess my things to ponder with F one looking at these things changing especially just who does red bull get as their engine supplier is that going to be up to max's standard in terms of where he feels he should be at this point in time is it going to put him in a place to be competitive 
to win a world championship that I think he's capable of with his driving. Well, so, unfortunately, he's not going to know until until he's in the fucking car, right? Yeah. Um, which yeah. Is, I mean, that's kind of the, the risk that um, Daniel Ricardo made. Um, he saw Red Bull going away from the Renault engines. He felt very comfortable in the Red Bull car with the Renault engine and decided to go and join Renault. And he wasn't able to get... Uh, the world championship that I think he's been going after because Ricardo is a great driver too. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, he is. And I think that's that's what his, in my opinion, that's what I saw his mindset as is that uh, Renault's been an engine supplier for a while. They've been competitive towards the top of the midfield, and he was comfortable in a car with a Renault engine and was like, "All right, let's keep it rolling." Like I don't want to have to change to a new engine supplier and figure things out from the start again. Right. See where this goes. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see what Max decides to do. It would definitely be weird to see him in a, uh, a car. That's not a Red Bull though. I think he would look good in that silver though. I, Oh, I, no, I like I mean, Max. just because it's the winning colors, you know, it's tough. I like Max a lot. And so I want to see him do well. But man, I also am. A, I'm definitely a, a Red Bull fan. From right. So you want you, right. So you want to see him do well for the team that he's with. Hope they can, you know, fix the engine issues. And. And yeah. so there doesn't have to be like swaps around. Yeah, I would I would like to see uh, Red Bull be able to really be. I, I mean, Max definitely is competitive for a world championship. I agree. He's I, up there every single I'm, time. I think I would like to see, I'd like to see him get a world championship win in formula one uh, with Red Bull. With so, Red Bull. Right. But I guess we'll see. Uh, but I guess the one other thing that I wanted to, to kind of take us out on a little more fun of a note. So uh, or I guess interesting, whatever way you want to look at it, is there are a couple of videos I saw on Twitter from the Karting World Championships that are regulated by the FIA. Um, and I wanted you to go ahead and watch these and give me some uh, some feedback of these karting videos. So um, let me know when you're playing the first one. Yo. Um, and so, so for anyone who's listening, a driver in karting, so karting as in like go karts, uh, they have a world championship similar to Formula One, where they kind of come up through, and uh, it's one of the racing leagues that kind of leads into the higher up, um, the higher up racing levels but the one driver was knocked out of the race and takes a bumper that had been strewn aside from i believe his own cart and throws it at some of the other drivers as they're coming past and then ignores the officials and the marshals as he storms off the track oh dude that's not good yo and then not only, dude, not only does he throw it at these carts moving, 
what seems to be very they're rapidly. Fast. They're probably going, I mean, they're go-karts that are probably going 50, 60 miles an hour. Which yeah, is, like they're I mean, moving, dude. They're moving. Fast. Oh, yeah, that's fast for a little go-kart. They're dude, moving. he like pick the person that he threw it at like that was like he, he knew what he was doing it was, dude. It was targeted yeah oh yeah that's terrifying so Fuck. is it was it, it so the, the name that i'm seeing is that is that the dude who's doing this like what's this kid's name yeah it's uh i believe his last name is colberry Okay, gotcha. Because I I didn't want to say the name that I'm seeing if he wasn't the kid that threw the thing. <laughs> I I believe and or Corberry, so C O R B E R I. And so the the thing is, we're saying this about like go karts and everything, and we're saying this kid. Uh, oh so my god! First off, this dude is 23 years old. The person, dude, and then he just clotheslines this kid. So just straight out of the garage, he's like, the, bam. The second, second video is in the pit lane after the race. The same driver who threw a bumper at these people as they're driving, just fuck. While the other driver is not paying attention, he's just checking out his car after the race. Just absolutely like goes in, tackles him to the ground, and then the dude's dad charges in and tackles the other driver to the ground as well. And so the even Man. crazier part about this, as if it wasn't crazy enough, is... <gasps> That's a grown-ass man that just attacked a kid. Yep. And so you know what's even crazier about this is <gasps> the fact that the no. the father that tackled the guy to the ground yeah is the owner of this racetrack what and his son is the guy who threw the bumper at the other at the other oh drivers. man so this is a 23 year old man who cuz he's not a kid he's a 23 year old grown adult Right. Decided to throw a temper tantrum from, I'm assuming, being knocked out of the race from some sort of contact, throwing a bumper that could potentially injure or kill one of these other drivers who are going 60 some miles an hour in a go kart. And then his father is bulldozing another driver to the ground who is much smaller and he owns the racetrack that they're racing on. Oh man, so, dude! Like I mean, that looked like it hurt. I dude, saw this guy easily has two hundred pounds on this kid that gets wailed. Yeah, and I saw that he's and, a big boy. And my my instant reaction. So the the person who tweeted this is uh, Matt Gallagher, who is with the um, he has his own Formula One podcast called uh, the WTF One Podcast. Okay. Um, and he tweeted, so I follow him on Twitter. He tweeted it out and said, ban this kid from ever getting in a cart again. And so, since this is regulated by the FIA, the same governing body for Formula One, I like, I just hope that they not only ban this kid from ever racing again in their contest, but I just hope that they never use this track again. Because, yeah, that's, the fact that they are, that's brutal. That they are, putting money towards uh 
a grown adult being the father who is tackling other racers in defense of it, or not even in defense of his son, because he's upset that his son got knocked out of the race. Like it's just, Oh man, just despicable. There is no explanation for this at all. Yo, I gotta say the kid who gets wailed, honestly, he took it pretty well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dude, he didn't take no shit, man. He was like, yeah. get the fuck off me. He oh, even, yeah. like, had him up against the fence, dude. He was ready to brawl. I really, I've got mad respect oh, for the, uh, his teammate who came over and kind of swooped in and, like, pulled him away and everything. Like, so if you start that at the beginning, Justin, about 15 seconds in, you see another guy in an orange and black jumpsuit run over and kind of get, like, protect his... uh his teammate and everything and help yeah. him out. So that guy who like swoops in to to help out, I'm like, yeah, that's the that's the guy. Like that's your oh. boy. I mean, he literally just stood next to him as the dad just fucking yammed him into the fence. Well, though. I mean, he did, but at the same time, I don't <laughs> think he realized that the dad. I don't think anyone realized that the dad was coming. Dude, that that guy's got legs, though. You see him come in there. <laughs> He's flying. Holy shit! So, dude, that this is honestly the most intense thing I've seen. Holy it's, shit! It's that wild, like. Yeah, man. I hope that guy never gets a payday ever again. He literally just yammed on a child. Yeah. Fuck out of here. That's crazy. Yeah. So anyone who Whoa. wants to see this, just look up. Um, Corberry, C-O-R-B-E-R-I, um, carding championship fight, and I'm sure you will get videos of this. Dude, so um, this is at the, like the, the 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 thing, the race. This is at like their their big like championship oh, race. Man. Yeah, it's a are, bad day. It's so bad. It's uh <laughs> and I mean it's hard for me not to laugh because fortunately no one was injured from how it looks. But just seeing grown men act like absolute children um, is just, oh, it it just makes me like cringe for them. But also at the same time, just laugh and be like, how is our grown people able to be this childish? Like, I know, I know. Like you're literally getting upset about go-karts. Like, holy shit. Like I'm kind of in shock, especially like this his son is 23 years old and he's still carding. So at this point, he's most likely not going to be moving up into formula three, formula two, and potentially getting a shot in formula one. Like this is, even though it's the carding world championship, he's probably like the kid who he, who gets tackled looks like he's much younger. Right. Right. Who is a grown adult who has for whatever reason, not, been able to do well enough to go to the next levels who is just acting like a child right right dude that's you know for all the times my dad hit me i'm glad he never hit anybody else (laughs) i mean that's i guess one way to look at it (laughs) holy shit that's so not cool no, it's no not. but honestly, shout out the kid that gets fucking yammed on because he kept standing up. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, impressive. He, he got up every time. It uh, it just makes it reminds me a lot of like just uh, little league sports growing up because I oh mean, yeah, I played, 
played basketball. I played little league baseball. I did travel baseball and stuff like that. And just some of the parents, like, fortunately, my parents were very, like, reasonable about it. My dad liked to do be the, like, stat keeper for my baseball teams, like, keeping track of everyone's batting average and all that stuff. Man, some parents were out there, like, I remember kids on my baseball team who their parents were screaming at them from the stand so much that they started crying on the field. And oh, I know. Like that. And I was like, oh, just the how intense par- some parents can get over some like m- lower level sports, whether it's Little League or, or whatnot, is just it's very. It's always for me, that's for sure. It's it's entertaining in like a, a trash television kind of way. It's like, it's it like a guilty pleasure. It's like, man, this may not be the most like worthwhile thing for me to watching, but damn, it's fun to fucking watch. <laughs> God damn, is it funny? <laughs> like, that's, oh, it gets me every time. <laughs> damn, damn, um, damn, damn. But yeah, so, um, Maybe at, at some point we'll have to figure out a way if we do more reaction video type stuff to uh to get because yeah, honestly that was pretty funny because like yeah because then like everything that I I thought about I could just say like quickly that 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 was fun I like doing that that was cool yeah I maybe we'll have to figure out a way to uh, potentially in the future get some video so that you guys can can see what we're seeing or uh, th- we can throw some links in the. Uh, in the description there we go that's videos there you go but yeah man things to look forward to keep listening and we'll make improvements hey yeah we're uh we're pretty new to this podcast thing um but i i think for i can say for both you and myself uh i'm having a ton of fun doing this me too man Um, me too this is fun so I hope everyone's uh, going to continue to listen and enjoy. I'm looking forward to making more of these and and hopefully continuing to give some entertainment out there. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree. This is this has been episode seven of the Tall and the Short podcast. Aaron, do you have any final words? No, I I just appreciate anyone who's listening. Um, it's like I said, a lot of fun making these, and we hope to continue this for a while. Very good, man. Stay tuned. We'll catch you guys next weekend or you like next Monday or Tuesday. Peace out, everyone. See you guys. And we'll get Craig out of here. There's just going to be a little audio here at the end.